0: We were there to
1: discuss the misprinted calendars the school had purchased. <laughs> oh, lousy smart weather. <laughs> Do not touch Willie. Good advice. Huh? Our next budget item, $12 for doorknob repair. Nay. charge fire extinguishers. Uh, this is a free service of the fire department. Nay. Willie, please, Mr. Van Houten has the floor. Uh, I, for one, would like to see the cafeteria menus in advance, so parents can adjust their dinner menus accordingly. Uh, I don't like the idea of Millhouse having two spaghetti meals in one day.
0: You'll pay for this with your children's blood. All oh, right, how are you going to get them? Skeleton power. I'll
1: strike. where you cannot protect them? in their dreams. hello and welcome to the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong i'm alex I'm Julio,
0: and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the
1: word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash contrarianprime.
1: And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually. At ContrarianAlex for myself. And at Avnio for Julio. That's OVNIO.
0: Now, time for the podcast. And we are recording for A Nightmare on Elm Street. 1984 edition.
1: Hello, welcome back to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Julio. Julio, how are you doing this Tuesday evening?
0: Nowhere near as creeped out as I was hoping I would be.
1: We are here today to begin our arc of uh, remakes, our remake sandwich. It's a three-parter, so yeah. Got uh, basically we're using the, the horror as our bread, and then the feel-good as our meat. meat. Yeah,
0: Or is it a vegan sandwich? Is it it a tofu?
1: It's definitely not. We're bringing Freddy and Leatherface into the equation. There's there's no vegan sandwiches here. Uh, Starting the remake arc, so obviously we'll go... uh, The idea here being a movie that the original is highly ranked on Rotten Tomatoes. The sequel, Low, as what we do here on The Contrarians is Rage Against the Rotten Tomatoes Machine. And if this is your first time listening, we do appreciate the listen. What you can expect... Is us finding a movie on Rotten Tomato that's highly ranked, uh, making a case for the bad in it, or finding a movie that is low on Rotten Tomatoes, making a case for why it's good. Uh, That all takes place in the first half of the podcast known as Contrarian's Corner. If you want to know how we actually feel about the movie, hang around until the second half, uh, aptly titled Real Talk.
0: That's where you find out if we really like the movie or if we really hated it. In this case, a Nightmare on Elm Street original version is at 94%, you said?
1: Astounding. That is
0: one of the highest we've ever done. Uh, So that means that Contreras Corner is going to be about us taking it down.
1: Yes, and the fact that this is 94% accents some of the inherent uh, flaws in the way people perceive Rotten Tomatoes to be.
0: If uh, this movie was re-released today... All the commercials would be like, certified fresh, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. If it was released
1: today, I guarantee it wouldn't have 94%. <laughs> People are way more cynical and eager to shit on things. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. Uh, released on November 9th, 1984, 94% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, directed and written by Wes Craven, the master of horror. It's our
0: second Wes Craven movie. I just realized that. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yep. Should do a good one one of these days. <laughs>
1: I guess the greatest contribution of this movie to film, to the industry, is that it was Johnny Depp's film debut.
0: I mean, love him, hate him, you have Nightmare on Elm Street to blame.
1: <laughs> and, of course, Robert Englund playing the role of uh, Freddy Krueger, or as he's introducing this, Fred Krueger.
0: Yeah, what the hell is up with that? <laughs> I don't
1: know. It's not even consistent with the rest of the movie. Sometimes they call him Fred. Some He calls himself Freddy.
0: Right. And then, and then they call him Freddy, because when... When they start, when our protagonist starts trying to lure him out, it's like yeah. Freddie. She calls him like a cat. She's like, "Freddie, come out, Freddie."
1: <laughs> our protagonist, of course, the iconic, allegedly Nancy, uh, portrayed by Heather Langenkamp.
0: You're a, you're the horror person here out of this duel. Other than Johnny Depp, were you familiar with any of the of the faces and bodies that get slashed by Freddie in this movie?
1: I mean, Nancy, just because. That's like her legacy. She was in some of the others, the sequels and whatnot. But as far as... These people do. Yeah, top billing actors. yeah,
0: Because that is part of the... I mean, here's my problem with the movie.
1: Kind of comparing Johnny Depp, it's like (laughs) this beacon of natural light.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I, I had... I just... The whole thing... Obviously, the movie was made in 1984, but my main thing before we even start recapping the plot is it just feels so 80s in the most negative possible way, mm-hmm. and I was wondering if that was if the cast was part of it. In you know, because sometimes like Johnny Depp, people go out and they branch out. It's not just oh well, I'm part of the the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and that's my contribution to history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sometimes they don't. So. I was just curious if in the in the horror in, in your horror chats your horror message boards, if people just follow the careers of Nancy and was it Rod? Uh, yeah. Well, who else? Tina. Is Nicole, no Tina. Yeah. No, see, there's there's only room for one Tina in horror franchises, <laughs> and that's taken by <laughs> Tina from Halloween Five. I don't remember
1: off the top. Of my head who directed Halloween Five? But he watched this and says, "I'll raise your Tina one further."
0: I see your Tina, and I'll multiply it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but definitely the uh, late seventies, early eighties horror. Everyone gave us one bright, shining apple. Be it uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Bacon, or in this case, Johnny Depp. Texas Chainsaw didn't really give us anybody. <laughs>
0: Dennis <laughs> but, Hopper, I guess, in a way.
1: No, because he was already. I'm pretty sure he had already won an Oscar when he was in that.
0: He just he needed he needed a boost. Oh in yeah, a yeah. while.
1: Well, that was the second one, the first one. And then the first one came out 10 years before this. So um, so we go to Elm Street. A nightmare happens. <laughs> Roll <of> the credits. <laughs> yeah. Being that it's 94%, Julio, that means the fucking critics were, were, have been, and are shitting themselves over this movie.
0: Yeah, it's crazy because um, even though it's 94% on the app that I use, I couldn't find any any green splotches. Technically, it's a hundred percent. They must have the the negative reviews must have just gotten broken links and gotten cleaned out, but the percentage <laughs> never adjusted itself. Robert
1: England went in there and wiped them out.
0: <laughs> so what I've done, but there's some of these fresh quotes are nowhere near as enthusiastic as you would expect from a ninety four percent. Yeah. So what I've done is I got three quotes that are positive, full on positive, and then for real talk, we'll open with the two that I found that i really not that into it so fresh quotes federico Ferzan from cine ellipsis says the beginning of freddy is as solid as it was decades ago this still makes us scared to fall asleep so this is a recent quote
1: mm-hmm. i imagine a lot of them are as rotten tomatoes to my knowledge did not exist in 1984
0: <laughs> well you know once it was established they just went and Picked up all those print reviews and just uploaded them. Fernando F. Croce from Cine Passion says, The Sandman of Reagan's dozy suburbia. What? (laughs) Well? Mr. Sandman. Yeah.
1: Just anything to get a dig at Reagan.
0: (laughs) And finally, Michael DeQuina from TheMovieReport.com says, The far superior of the two defining horror franchises of the 80s. You just I knew you were going to shake your head. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't just stand up and leave the room.
1: I humbly disagree.
0: I mean, he's talking about Friday the 13th.
1: I would right? assume.
0: Right? Because Halloween is 70s. The
1: Halloween, yeah. And the first Friday the 13th came out in 1980, I'm going to say. And just to confirm I am correct. Yes, May 9th, 1980. Much like A Nightmare on Elm Street had a very modest budget and made an absolute killing at the box office. Um, I would say,
0: I would say, swing, <laughs> except that really the sound effects in this movie are more like Freddy shooting lasers out of his blades.
1: Yeah. Choo, 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 when he's choo, on choo, the screen,
0: <laughs> you barely see him.
1: Yeah. But we are in, I always forget this movie takes place in Ohio. It's Springwood, Ohio. It's dated March,
0: 1981.
1: Oh, it's dated. All right. <laughs> uh, we start off with a, uh, Blonde running around, it's a dream sequence, but it's not really explained. I had, you know, it had been a while since I had seen this, and it reminded me they get lost all over again every single time. I mean, I know the premise, but still, you're starting me off giving me no context or any, you know, conclusions to even jump to. It's hard for me to
0: grasp what it was like for the moviegoer back in '84 and just where all these things are cliche back then. Or were you at the golden age where the cliches didn't exist? So this was new. Like a, a defenseless blonde running away from a creepy dude. Was that original back then? Even if it's happening in a dreamscape, it, it still, it just feels so just rote. Dated. Yep.
1: Um, as I mentioned, the Johnny Depp gets the introducing credit and then <laughs> Robert England gets the and credit as Fred Krueger. The. Situation, though, here in the small town of Springwood, Ohio, is this group of four friends. Uh, our main character Nancy, played again by Heather Lagenkamp. uh her boyfriend Glenn, played by Johnny Depp, uh, his buddy Rod, played by Nick Corey, and Tina Amanda Weiss, Weiss. I do apologize if I'm mispronouncing the last name there. They are all beginning to have the same series of nightmares that are becoming more and more real, more and more vivid, uh, even though the gentlemen don't mention it until later because because they're men exactly uh but the the two females uh, exchange tales of their nightmares and um uh, it's a guy <laughs>
0: and, and they think it's amusing yeah a little curious peculiar but they're not a <laughs> this person at all. they've
1: never met or nor seen anything to you know provoke such feelings or uh, nightmares they're Mirroring one another, and just kind of like, huh, that's odd.
0: Were the '80s so backward that it, it takes the movie half of its runtime for anybody to even suggest science to come into the picture and try to figure out what's going on? Uh, were the '80s so backwards that you know teenagers wouldn't really
1: even try the to Exorcist? Find that's like one of the first things they do with Reagan. It's like, <laughs> get all <a> right, priest. <laughs> let's get, let's get her an EKG. Let's see what the fuck's going on here. Uh You want to talk about cliches and? Tried tropes. I mean, all this quickly leads to is just a night of teen drinking. And I don't know if there is drug use, but there's definitely a uh, premarital intercourse taking place. I feel bad for Nick Corey or whatever the gentleman's name is because he didn't know it at the time, but he was having to go up against Johnny Depp in <laughs> right. the acting department. <laughs>
0: It is uh, – it's really weird the way that Wes Craven structures the the opening here, right? Because the blonde in the opening that we mentioned, this opening nightmare, is not the protagonist. But for that first chunk of the movie, you think that it's Tina's story.
1: It would have made a lot more sense for it to start with Nancy. Right. Yeah.
0: So for for just the shock value of kill, killing the person that we think is the protagonist, he kind of wastes a lot of uh, storytelling real estate – you know, it's like, give me more background on on Nancy. I don't need to know this much about Tina. I don't need to see Tina's uh, romantic issues with Rod when really she's going to get killed in, in 10 minutes.
1: Or her mom and her creepy, right, greasy... <laughs> wife-beater-wearing... Dad, I guess, or stepdad or uncle.
0: Some dude. The mom is never seen again. No. So we, we're just to assume that she lives happily ever after with that dude. <laughs> with Uncle Rico. Yeah. The thing is, it's like... <laughs> it's like Wes Craven just kind of saw Psycho. we're like, yeah, I can do it. It is okay. You can, you can fake people out on who your protagonist is.
1: Here is where we learn what this movie is really going to be about and what we're dealing with. Tina and Rod have their... Uh, coitus, she falls asleep. She begins having the another one of these nightmares where she runs into, um, I don't think he's named yet, but it's a gentleman in a sweater who's clearly been badly burned and disfigured. It's also clearly a dream because uh, shapes are shifting. He's kind of teleporting from place to place. And iconically, he flashes his hand and he's got this glove with knives on it, which, I mean, practical use. I've seen worse. <laughs> Practical uses have to be pretty minimal.
0: Um, it, this is probably the first time in the history of film that anybody's referred to Freddy Krueger as a gentleman. <laughs> Unless they do it in the remake. You never know.
1: He eventually chases down and traps Tina. We cut to the real world, as it were, the non-dream world, where Tina's just thrashing, rolling around violently in bed, screaming. Rod removes the covers, doesn't know what to do. Obviously, he can't see anything, but she's just being manhandled. She's then picked up. Uh, To him, it looks like she's levitating, but she's just being hurled around the room. Gets uh, her stomach ripped open with the four knives, the claw, and a very just kind of unnerving and unsettling scene.
0: And called for. Yes. You know, there's a grace to just showing just enough Wes Craven. You don't have to go all crazy with the gore on every single kill. And, uh, I mean, the thing is, you have to build up to that kind of stuff. Later in the movie, when uh, Johnny Depp Becomes Johnny Depp juice like that. That kind of makes sense because you're you're escalating. But here, this early on, it's just it just feels a little gratuitous to have a, a half naked girl floating around the room, trashing around and just bleeding everywhere. And then it doesn't help that Rod is just an idiot. He's <laughs> he's just sitting on the floor, reaching out and calling her like that's gonna do anything. Why isn't he just running away, calling for help? I mean, cell phones were not a thing back then. He's going to say, take
1: out his phone and start filming it. World star! (laughs) So, I mean, obviously, he's going to be the main suspect. So he runs. Exactly. (laughs) He takes off. Johnny Depp has to break down the door, and Rod's taken off on foot, you know, to prove his innocence. It's a manhunt for him now. And then we find out that the lieutenant of the police department, Don Thompson, Lieutenant Don Thompson, is Nancy's dad. And this is kind of where it shifts... I don't know if you want to call it course correction, but this is where it shifts to Nancy's the main character.
0: Yeah, it, it really shifts. It zigs and zags a lot, right? Because you think it's Nancy, or I'm sorry, you think it's Tina, then Tina gets killed, and then you think it's Rod. I'm like, mm. all right, this movie is going to be like the fugitive, Rod just running barefoot through the forest, trying to, to prove that the dream man. And then he her. is
1: Freddy Krueger in the end.
0: <laughs> yes, he wakes up. And then, yeah, then you think that's going to be uh, Nancy's dad. An adult enters the picture. He seems like a, a decent actor. And you think, okay, it's going to be about this guy investigating what happens. Mm-hmm. You just go around and around. The entire time, honestly, I was thinking it's going to be Johnny Depp because it's Johnny Depp. Yeah. Right? You would give the bulk of the story to the guy that can act. But but no, it ends up landing on, on Nancy, who's arguably the least interesting character in the entire movie.
1: She just goes back to school because... Nothing real is going on. Well,
0: she's like, what am I going to do at home? <laughs> <laughs> just going to be bored.
1: Uh, He would go on to later kind of fix this error in Scream when they at least address like, yeah, these PTSD. kids were murdered <laughs> last night. Let's uh make sure we have a curfew and you kids go right home from school. Here it's just like we lost one. It'll be all right.
0: Let's have some counseling.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So Nancy's just having a rough day with it all. I mean, you can imagine, but we do get some uh, theater-level acting here of her <laughs> emotionally uh, reacting to what's going on. She eventually falls asleep in class. The teacher in the class is the landlord from Kingpin. And that's all that I could be occupied by during this entire scene. She falls asleep, has another Freddy Nightmare where she is somehow lured lured into the boiler room. Right when it looks like he's about to kill her, she sees a scalding hot pipe, puts her arm on it to wake herself up in class.
0: Wait, is that the? I thought that the the nightmare she has in class is uh, Tina, like Tina in a body bag, or does that take her to the to the boiler room?
1: Not sure. I just know it's in the boiler room because because she burns her arm yeah, yeah, to wake yeah. herself and up. She learns that she can bring things from the dream world into the real world. Because she brings his hat.
0: No, because she brings the, oh, the burned. burned. Yeah. Right, it's. Here's the problem with the movie. The movie's main conceit, and it's something that I've seen critics praise it for. There's like, oh, how original that this all happens in the dreamland and that, you know, Freddy can attack you from a dream. So the problem is that that just gives uh, Wes Craven basically... Carte blanche. Carte blanche. Mm-hmm. And he can do whatever. He, there's no rules in this world. And so anytime that something really stupid happens, like when Nancy falls asleep in class and so her dream is that she sees Tina in a body bag and and she has to follow her. Right? It never I mean, we know it's a dream, obviously, because it wouldn't happen in the real world, but also because Nancy's not acting logically. Yeah. If you saw uh the body of your dead best friend in a body bag kind of like bouncing around the school, you wouldn't just follow it. You would ask for help. Right? So a lot of the stuff happens where we're just Really crazy stuff happens. It doesn't make sense. But then what's Craven gets to say, well, it was a dream, guys. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Isn't it cool? And, and you're never really... I'm like, where Where are the stakes? Well, give me the rules of the game. You know, The closest it gets is to, like you said, Nancy burning herself. And then mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so there is some correlation between what happens in the dreams and what happens in, in the real world.
1: So on the walk home from school, I believe this is where she runs into Rod. On If it's not the same day, it's the next morning on the walk to school. Whatever the case... Rod is in a leather jacket with no shirt underneath, uh, jeans, no shoes. Presumably, been eating just any berries and foliage he can find that appears consumable. He explains, "I didn't do it. It was like someone was there, but I couldn't see him." And then this is where he relays he's been having the same nightmares as well.
0: Too little, too late, buddy. Nancy, Nancy's dad had a whole security detail following her. Yeah, <laughs> apparently.
1: And I mean, she acted like she didn't know, but then. There were like fucking four cop cars that were right there. It was like the Truman Show. Just she looks over her
0: shoulder, and there's a dude that's not even trying. It's people in to... riot gear. <laughs> yeah, the sunglasses, the newspaper with a hole cut in the middle.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Nancy's dad, the lieutenant, comes in with his gun out. Which, again kind of jarring i mean to be fair he's a fugitive wanted for murder and it's his daughter That's right
0: but maybe this guy should be part of the investigation right
1: (laughs) he like runs and he goes to fire it and she has to jump in front of this hand cannon that he's holding uh somebody needs to just step
0: in and go like guys let's calm down
1: in a Moment that's definitely, I mean, nothing in this movie is really supposed to be funny, but this made me laugh. He's running down the road barefoot, and then he kind of has to slam on the brakes, but he's barefoot. So he just kind of <laughs> slows down, and there's this cop car. So he turns around, and he starts, you know, feet don't fail me now, back up the road, and then another cop car comes up. And then he just, I'm cool. And then he puts his hands <laughs> on his head.
0: I was expecting, this is how, how bad you know how we're used to just violence in general that i was expecting him to get his ass beaten when he got caught the cops are pretty gentle with him considering he's the suspect
1: the audio the line that was clearly dubbed over in post So you just hear what do we got here a razor blade (laughs) (laughs) and that dumb fuck man he took off and the one thing that she was killed with you think he would have ditched yeah
0: but at the same time he's
1: a high school student
0: uh, well, I don't know. He's like from the Greece school of of, uh, of high school uh, ages because he looks—he's sunny, yeah, duty. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is, the cops by now—they've had the body for a couple days, at least, at least overnight. So you would think they would have noticed that the wounds in the body were not made with just like a razor blade. Yeah, that's just some some swords that would be closer to that. It's she got slashed pretty badly. I I mean, I'm not expecting him to go, huh, this looks like Freddy Krueger's weapon. Well,
1: we'll see before too long that this police station is, we're not dealing with the most competent nor uh, procedure abiding force.
0: The twins from Wild Hogs came from this town.
1: (laughs) There you go. Cut to that night, probably the most recognizable image of this movie. Nancy in the bathtub, she begins fading away. Freddy's glove comes up between her legs.
0: Really awkward visually. Uh, It's like Wes Craven got into his head that that's the shot that that had to be. And he didn't really care how it looked. He's like, all I want is a pretty girl. Half submerged underwater in the bathtub. Legs spread open. And the hand with the claws coming from the middle. Okay, that sounds better in your head. (laughs) When you put it in film... It just looks awkward, and a
1: little pervy. And uh, especially because she's in high school. Her distractingly bright blue bath pillow that's behind her head. Wes Craven watched that and he just, I'm going to take that home with me. <laughs> he became is- a bath guy from then on. <laughs> I need to uh, review
0: the dailies <laughs> at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, logistically, there's all sorts of things to think about here. I guess she's in the dream world, but then how's Freddy? I mean, that, that was just a shower tub combo. That's not a very deep bathtub we're talking about. So <laughs>
0: right, the that's the other thing the the rules as to what Freddy's abilities are change constantly because there are times where he is Loki. He can just do whatever he wants. Yeah, he, he he can teleport. He can stretch. He can metamorphosize into whatever. And then there are times where he just seems constrained by space and the usual laws of physics. Uh, And then there are times where you're just like, man, you're just fucking around. You're not even taking this seriously. Because when he's tussling with these girls in their early encounters, he could have killed them 10 different ways. But he's just kind of like rolling around in the mud with them. (laughs) Not really delivering. He has three knives in his right hand or left hand. And he never delivers a a, a kill blow really early on.
1: He's not aware of his own power. Or just... B- blissfully ignorant to what he's capable the of. big
0: reveal is that the entire time he was just playing I was about he didn't to realize say, people were gonna get hurt
1: I was about to say that they explain that in Freddy versus Jason that he's not strong enough but that's just because he just tries to kill people and doesn't work here yeah he's just like three in it with him or uh, Benny Hill's <laughs> a better exactly analogy. so she does fall asleep in the bathtub Freddy pulls her down tries to drown her uh, she's screaming fighting giving it all she's got she gets out of the tub. Uh, her mom had broken into the bathroom and said, you were screaming, you called for me. And this is where Nancy just becomes an absolute psycho. And she's like, no, I'm fine. She basically just puts it together in her head what's going on. And so she's going to break this this uh, riddle. She's going to figure this out. Oh, I got it now. This crazy man comes to me and can kill me in my dreams. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to recruit my boyfriend and not tell anybody else about it. Exactly. What can possibly go wrong?
0: It's it's almost like she knew that with Johnny Depp on her side, that's all she needed.
1: So she does try to test it in terms of going into her dream and uh, pulling Freddy out or pulling something out, I should say, of her dream. And Johnny Depp, Glenn's going to be there to you know, watch her side. Naturally, he falls asleep.
0: It's such a dumb plan. Because why wouldn't you have more people around? You know, it's like you're not doing anything illegal. The worst thing that can happen is it doesn't work, and then you wake up and you look like an idiot in front of your dad, and yeah. the other cops, right?
1: But if I see your dad just with the gun pointed <laughs> at the bed. Uh,
0: if she had pulled this off with with an audience instead of a and a sleepy Johnny Depp, then the movie would have moved a lot faster. Yeah. And I would have liked
1: that. They could have just tied it all up there. She just brings him out, and they all just club him to death.
0: Yep. She even says that to Johnny Depp. That was part of her plan. She's like, I'm going to bring him out, and you're going to punch him. Yeah. Really? That's your best. Even if Freddy is not that imposing, he's Johnny Depp is a teenager.
1: Johnny Depp's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> during this dream sequence with Freddy, she's eventually woken up by an alarm clock, but during this, she sees uh, a premonition-like visual of Freddy over Rod's bed in his jail cell. So they run down to the police station. And again, mind you, this is a a murder suspect. We're talking murder one here in this local Springwood, Ohio, <laughs> drunk tank holding cell. They're keeping this murder suspect in there. They even this, let him
0: keep the switchblade after. <laughs> yeah,
1: they let him keep all his clothes and shit. And, like, uh, th- the big boys have not been brought out. I guess they're just, oh, I, I guess it's a regular occurrence in the town Old Barney killed someone else again So they've just got him you know, Holding in this cell that's in the basement of this police station uh, The kids come in They say they want to see him Nancy's very adamant about seeing him They're just like, what are you talking about? He's a killer, you want nothing to do with him It's an emergency it, Fucking four minutes of back and forth Just get to it we, Meanwhile
0: But then the logical conclusion which would be No, go home <laughs> It doesn't happen.
1: Rod's trying to sleep when his blankets and sheets uh, grow a mind of their own. They begin wrapping around him, uh, most notably around his neck. Uh, we only see this happening from his perspective, but we hear Freddy's laugh in the background while well, this is all happening.
0: Yeah, and this is the, th- where the escalation doesn't work, right? Because you just saw Tina get ripped to shreds in the first kill of the movie. And now this, this whole hanging thing... It just it looks pretty tame by comparison.
1: Yeah, I mean it's not fun, but it. What's uh, the line from Elizabeth Town? We peeked on the phone. <laughs> exactly. We, we peeked with Tina.
0: We peeked with Tina, and now it's just almost. It's almost like they realized that they needed to get rid of Rod, and they just couldn't come up they with a better to, way.
1: They're like, let's just give this fuck the most undignified way of going out possible. <laughs> if you uh,
0: if you freeze frame it, if you go frame by frame, you can see Wes Craven's hands tying the. <laughs> The sheet that's like in uh, *Inglorious
1: Bastards*. Tarantino's hands are actually the one that's strangling <laughs> the girl. Uh, yeah, Wes Craven. Let's get this over with. He's just like, one, two, friends coming for you. Rod dies. He's been hung from his jail cell. Not unlike uh, the opening of *The Goonies*. At this point, only he gets a funeral. That's right, because we get the, in the next, uh, the end of the funeral is when Nancy. Comes to her parents with the situation in hand, but Rod gets a funeral. Tina did not. not I wonder sure if that's,
0: that's because in that town, the Tina murder, the Tina murder is still an ongoing investigation, so they can't release the body. It's still evidence.
1: With Rod, they just Wait, assumed
0: he hung himself. He of offed course.
1: himself. Uh, after the funeral, Nancy comes to her parents explaining the visions that they've all been having. in These nightmares. She knows who killed Rod and Tina. As she's explaining who this is to her parents the burned man with the green and red sweater we get these slow close-ups on their face and it's like oh man they know some shit
0: right and this is where you realize that it's not just that the teenagers in this town are stupid the parents are stupid as well yes because you would think that this this recognition the fact that they suddenly know the person that their kids are dreaming about it would spark any sort of action, especially from the police officer. Even if you're a man of logic and science and you don't understand exactly what's going on, it would be enough for me to, I don't know, set up a perimeter yeah. and you know maybe go exhume the, the tomb, the, the Have graveyard. Have an officer
1: stay with these kids when they go to sleep.
0: Right. you know, It's like it's crazy, but what else we got going on in this
1: town? <laughs> for real. This is the first murder in, oh, I don't know, 200 years. <laughs> Actually, that's not true This small town because we find out the origin story of Freddy.
0: But maybe they, they kept it quiet. So, really, as that's far true. as the rest of the world is concerned. Uh, yeah, I guess, if nothing else, we should give minor brownie points to, uh, to Nancy's mom, who may be a drunkard. I was about but, to say the lush. <laughs> but at least she had the minimum common sense to take her to the doctor.
1: To see, you know, what's going on. So, they're going to study her sleep patterns and figure out if there's anything wrong with her. Uh, So they sedate her, and she goes into a deep sleep, and wouldn't you know it, Freddy pops back up. This go-around, though, she has a tussle with him, and while she's thrashing around in her bed and woken back up by the uh, doctor, the nurses, and, of course, her mother, she's able to pull Freddy's uh, hat out of it.
0: Yeah. This is insane. (laughs) This is some supernatural stuff. I mean, if you're a doctor, if you're a scientist, it's it's a dude that's like looking at machines and readings and whatever. This girl somehow opened a portal somewhere else and brought something back.
1: It's a fedora with uh, a harmonica,
0: right? Did the guy think that and she the was just uh... to Run around, by <laughs> blues traveler? He <laughs> can hear the soundtrack. Uh, I don't know how is it that she's just not kept in that in that institute forever. now? No shit, right?
1: And her mom's just like, "Well, we're gonna go home."
0: So we're like, "That looks familiar." Let's Not even talked about. Right. The doctor. would And you would mean, think
1: the doctors would be like, oh, what? Ma'am,
0: your daughter has superpowers. <laughs> this needs further study.
1: Put her in a uh, display case like an alien in <laughs> Independence Day.
0: I would be just like, let's put you back to sleep. Let's see what else you bring.
1: <laughs> what was it, 84, so come on, Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy's mom confronts Nancy. I keep We keep calling her Nancy's mom. Let's do her character a little bit of justice here. The drunk. The drunkard.
0: I have her as the, the poor man's Faye Dunaway.
1: Ronnie Blakely, uh, who played Marge Thompson. Uh, she confronts Nancy in the kitchen of their home about the situation, about she needs to sleep. And Nancy's very defiant and very insistent that this is real. And I have- It's like,
0: Mom, I brought the hat. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you need?
1: And then she just keeps ignoring it, so Nancy knows what wounds sting and where to pour the salt. And she's like, well, I could just get loaded every night like you and forget everything if I wanted to. And then we get a a good old-fashioned backhand from uh, Marge.
0: Ah, the 80s.
1: Just backhands Nancy. And
0: um, And Nancy goes, that hurt more than anything Freddie ever did. (laughs) For shame, Mom.
1: She kind of just lets you know, well, I'm going to figure this out one way or the other, with or without you. And I'm taking the hat with me. Go through some time, establishing shots, yada, yada, yada. We go to the basement of the Thompson residence. Uh, Marge is by the, um, I don't know what the hell that is. Big furnace they have, I guess, would be the proper explanation. Smoking a cigarette, and she pulls in. Nancy, and she says, gather around, my child, and I shall tell you a tale, and explains that there was a neighborhood man named Fred Krueger who murdered a bunch of children, and that his high-dollar lawyers paid off the judge, so he got off with all of it, and then the parents got together and had themselves a (laughs) a militia, yeah, (laughs) basically, they put together a a militia, a, a crew. And they ran down to Freddie's home or wherever he was staying. No, they said it was going to abandon building.
0: And... Right, because they just strap him there.
1: And... Yeah, that's right. They chased him out of town on a rail and they trapped him in like a barn of some sort, covered the place in gasoline, burned it to the ground, and thought they had done away with him.
0: Uh, this whole thing doesn't even get a dignified flashback. This is just Nancy's mom telling the story.
1: Just copy. Just like, <laughs> here you go, read it.
0: Yeah. And, uh, it honestly, even as as badly delivered as it was, because, you know, nothing against Nancy's mom, but she's not the greatest actress in this movie. Yeah. And I don't know if that's her playing drunk or that's just her being drunk. But either way, the entire thing, it still sounded much more interesting than the movie we were watching. I was like, can I get Nightmare on Elm Street episode one, where we see this happen? <laughs> the story of this child murderer that, that gets away with it, and then the parents have to compromise their beliefs and go after him. Now that's a movie.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating. That's never actually been tackled. Like it's kind of always, it's gotten different representations in the different movies. Right. As they
0: expand on the mythology. Yeah. I know that there's a, I think the third movie, just jumping ahead to real talk a little bit. I think the third movie actually explains why Freddy Krueger is like a fucked up individual. Oh, okay. It it tells the story of his mom.
1: It's, It's been forever since I've seen
0: yeah, and also jumping ahead to like our next episode, I think that the remake does show does have flashbacks.
1: Oh, it does, and I'm very excited about talking about that. <laughs> yeah, because the flashbacks are to like I think the year is 1986, <laughs> right? But the people are dressed like it's the 50s.
0: <laughs> it's called style, Alex. It's
1: fantastic. Uh, but no,
0: we're in 1984 right now, and Wes Craven don't need no flashbacks. <laughs> no, he barely needs actors.
1: Just gonna lay this out for you. you. Do with it what you want, but this is where we're going. This is the direction we're going.
0: It's it's the penultimate episode of Lost. You wanted answers? Okay, fuck you. I'm going to give you the answers and you just figure it out.
1: So Nancy devises a plan to get Freddy out uh, kind of like we mentioned earlier. She's going to try this again with Glenn. She's going to rope him into uh, basically a physical altercation and then from there bring him into the real world so that uh, Glenn can stomp him out good uh, back at the Depp residence. Uh, his dad is not a fan of Nancy and doesn't want him spending any more time with her.
0: The first time we've seen this guy ever. I mean, Correct. He shows up so late he's in the movie, just drinking a
1: beer, staring out the <laughs> up into Nancy's window.
0: I thought for a moment that it was the wife beater guy from the beginning that had come back. It was like maybe he was sleeping with uh, Tina's mom and Glenn's mom. But no, different dude.
1: Johnny Depp, of course, falls asleep. Glenn falls asleep while waiting for this plan to come to fruition. Uh, Nancy attempts to call, but his dad takes the phone off the ringer so nothing can get through. And Nancy goes to flee the home. All the while, Marge, her mother, has locked her in there. Like, it's a damn jail cell of sorts. It's really
0: weird because, yeah, she's she's drunk on the couch, uh, Marge. And uh, Nancy's losing her shit, and she's like, "I need to be out." And, and you know, the mom's like, "I locked the doors for your own good. Open them." And then she goes, "I don't even have the key on me. <laughs> I don't know what was going through her head. Was she thinking that Nancy was actually going to search her for the key? Because I never got the impression that Nancy was ever going to be physical. You know, she was just gonna plead and then have the door be open." But while they're while they're arguing, Johnny Depp gets liquefied.
1: Yes. Johnny Depp falls asleep on his bed, and then the big hand of Freddy the Claw comes up and pulls him down into his bed, and then hits puree on the blender because just <laughs> viscera. <laughs> but forgets to put the lid on. Yes, viscera and blood and guts and a whole heap of nastiness just starts jettisoning out of his bed So to so, the horror of his mother.
0: Yeah, and then, so you get to this point, well, first, the mom sees it happen. Once again, somebody in this town, she's shocked because her son is dead. But she is not shocked enough by the way in
1: in which her son died. It unfortunately appears as though she's seen this this play before.
0: (laughs) She knew it was going to end up that way sooner or later uh, with all that music that he listened to, (laughs) his records. Uh, But then the other thing is that sequence ends and then you come to the realization that, wow, that was it for Johnny Depp in this movie, and he never really did anything. He nope. just kind of hung around, fell asleep a couple of times. <laughs> Is yeah. Where he was supposed to take action, he fell asleep. Uh, he never even took his shirt off. The whole thing was his biggest character beat was when earlier in the movie, Tina and Rod are having sex, and he can hear them having sex. Uh-huh. and He just goes, man, morality sucks, <laughs> implying that he doesn't have sex with uh, his girlfriend, with with Nancy, because he's a moral man.
1: I guess. Or no, she wasn't in the mood or something like that, so
0: Didn't didn't help him any. No. He died anyway.
1: Yeah, Johnny Depp had a real issue landing women for the rest of his life. So
0: <laughs> Well, that hair, the eighties hair wasn't helping.
1: The jaw no, that jawbreaker hair was a bit more slicked back, but yeah, it was definitely very poofy and dented in the middle. Uh but he's dead. Johnny Depp is out of here. Not out of our hearts though. That would take about another twenty years. <laughs>
0: Now, this was that full of potential.
1: Oh, yeah. This he, was before the 19th Pirates movie.
0: Yeah. He, uh, he finished his death scene, shook Wes Craven's hand.
1: Said, thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> uh, Nancy has kind of abandoned the Glen train and just starts prepping her house. She talks to her dad, who's on the scene at Glenn's home, and says... No matter what, just in 20 minutes, come break down the door. So in the meantime, she's home-aloning the house and just setting up all these booby traps. It's
0: ridiculous. And I I'll half understand that she's not in her right mind. But at the same time, so you want to fight the nightmare god with (laughs) fucking light bulbs and uh, jump ropes and (laughs) what else she has there.
1: My favorite thing was she takes a bunch of the gunpowder out of these shotgun shells to put it in the light bulb to make that little Uh, makeshift bomb. She could just leave a loaded shotgun for herself somewhere.
0: (laughs) My favorite thing is that she absolutely (laughs) believes that her dad is going to take her seriously. (laughs) She says, dad, I know you have a gruesome crime scene to take care of, but uh, please come wake me up in 20 minutes because I have a surprise for you. What makes her think that this is going to work? I mean, clearly it doesn't because her dad. He doesn't. Leaves, yeah, yeah,
1: he leaves some schmuck like the second in command to to watch over it. He just. She tells him all this. He just looks across the street and just nods his head and then turns. To, don't listen to any of that. <laughs> so she goes back to sleep. She does successfully pull Freddy out. It's the final showdown. Freddy's crossed over into the dream world. We do get the one moment though, uh, of where she thinks she pulled him in. Uh, it's quiet. It's you know the uh, moment of false hope. She says, "Maybe I am just crazy." Rah. Freddie jumps out from behind the bed. Classic jump scare. Chases around the house, falls for several of the booby traps. Gets set he on becomes, fire.
0: He becomes Marv.
1: Yes. Yes, he does. He's just one step away from grabbing the the two nozzles and just getting electrocuted.
0: <laughs> he is uh he's the the knife bandit.
1: <laughs> uh, gets lured down to the basement. She throws a a bottle of moonshine or something <laughs> on him and lights him on fire. So he's waddling around the home, a total blaze.
0: Also, suddenly gains 20 pounds.
1: (laughs) Uh, She goes and breaks like every window in the house to try to summon the cops over. And she's arguing with the second in command. And he's like, what? (laughs) And she's like, get over here. (laughs) Well, maybe I should tell the lieutenant. Eventually he does. They get over there. They say, what?
0: Yeah, she's screaming bloody murder. He's like, it's going to be okay. (laughs)
1: They all get to the home, the law enforcement, that is. They walk down to the basement where she had him trapped, sees nothing. There's uh, flaming footprints leading through the house. It's actually a very, very cool visual. Uh, it's, it's
0: actually much cooler than the actual visual of Freddy on fire crashing yes. around.
1: Nancy and um, her father deduce, or put together, I should say, where the footprints are leading, and they run up, and a uh, inferno of a man, Freddy Krueger, still on fire, is uh, has mounted... Uh, marge
0: (laughs) i was gonna say he's humping marge but your way is actually even more graphic
1: (laughs) he's mounted her and uh it's not a pretty sight lieutenant thompson goes to put out the fire jumps on top of uh, Freddy with a big blanket Uh, once they remove the blanket it's obviously a plume of smoke emits and we get like a charred skeleton of marge it, it's so being weird. lowered into the abyss
0: what is that what does that mean because at first i thought that it was uh at first i thought it was freddie's spirit or whatever just going back to where it came from but then she said mom yeah like why did her mom get the the really mystical farewell into the next world everybody else died in pretty gruesome ways <laughs> and she just kind of floats away <laughs> it It was really weird. It almost feels like the movie was trying to establish some sort of connection between her and Freddie, right? And that's why before he's eliminated he he goes to her and yeah it doesn't I don't know. There's like an hour of this movie that was on the kind room floor.
1: whatever happens to to Marge, Miss Thompson is no longer with us uh the door yeah
0: I'm with Johnny Depp, but in the break room. <laughs>
1: Uh, the door closes behind Nancy. She knows that Freddy's still in the room. Gives this long spiel about how I take back everything you did. I want my friends and my mother back. I take back all the power I ever gave you. I don't believe in you. And then he goes to give her the final death blow. And then he just fades away.
0: He doesn't just fade away. Then like she opens the door. So much
1: Michael J. Fox <laughs> in a photograph. Yes.
0: It's not even that. just that he fades away. That all she had to do fade was... Giving him a, a certain talking to. And For real. Uh, but then he opens the door and it's daylight and everybody's alive. It's basically Wes Craven just went, it was all a dream. Johnny Depp is alive. Rod is alive. Tina's alive.
1: Marge, the Marge. mother, takes a top and spins it. And then it <laughs> cuts right before you see it wobble. And... <laughs> Nancy goes out, meets her friends in Johnny Depp's fancy red car. The roof of it comes over in a very familiar image. It's a uh, red and green striped. And then the car begins living a life of its own. Carries these children away, leading us to wonder what's really the nightmare. Is this a dream too? What's going on?
0: They're also leaving us with quite possibly the worst looking final kill <laughs> in a horror movie.
1: Freddie's hand, uh, Marge waving goodbye to the kids on the front patio. His hand reaches through the uh, glass window, one of those small, circular, probably about uh, 11 inches in height or so, about 10 inches in diameter. Uh, reaches through and then pulls her out, but it's clearly just like <laughs> a, mannequin. a mannequin or a styrofoam body.
0: I don't understand what what was going through Wes Craven's head when he was like, yeah, that'll do.
1: <laughs> you know, because
0: you could have cut.
1: It was the last shot. They're just like, I want to get out of here.
0: <laughs> right. But but the thing is, even on the, on the editing, because you could have cut after the hand grabs her face. You don't really need to see her pull through the window. That's when it looks shitty. But he was just like, I don't care. Or, no, guys, it's funny. You get
1: it? <laughs> just take, I want this to be over.
0: <laughs> it's like he was arguing. He'd been arguing with the editor for like two hours. The guy saying, no, man, it looks awesome. Look, he would show him like a different way of doing it. And Craven was finally, you know what? Do whatever the fuck you want.
1: <laughs> Johnny Depp was privy to all this, and it really shaped his uh, way of approaching <laughs> directors and film editors from that point forward. And then the movie's over, and we get some –
0: The kids jumping around. Very,
1: was- Oh, yeah, yeah, we get the closing shot of the little white girls in their white attire singing the Freddy theme. Uh, then we get some amazingly '80s song about thr- dreams. Yeah, dreams and nightmares and
0: was uh was a uh, you know sweet dreams are made of this? Was that ever uh part of a Nightmare on Elm Street soundtrack? I
1: would doubt it because that song was like a number one hit. If you're Dude, Wes
0: Craven, wouldn't you just pay good money to?
1: <laughs> horror movies never have like really good soundtracks. <laughs> but clearly, he went all out
0: on this one. Like, so
1: Freddy vs Jason had spine shank. <laughs>
0: the only way i can explain that this movie spawned i was too confused to be scared was, i was too uh aethisfied <laughs> to be scared or to do anything it's just it's, it's just a collection if you're writing if today in the year 2019 you wrote a parody of 80s horror movies you would write a nightmare on elm street
1: <laughs> oh man that's too meta <laughs> yeah it, it was uh, and i mean robert england don't quit your day job, whatever that is, buddy. <laughs> Dude,
0: it's it's funny because we really haven't talked about Freddy. I mean, like you said, he's not in the
1: movie that much. He has like eight minutes of screen time. When
0: he shows up, it's just there are some shots that look okay, and even the opening, I'll give him that. But then that that special effect where his arms are, where he becomes Stretch Armstrong, and these, yeah. they look they look so weird. It, that's not creepy. That's just that's just weird looking. I don't know. Like I was saying, to think that this is a movie that launched. Six, seven, eight sequels. It's just mind-boggling.
1: Yep. Six sequels, a crossover, and a remake. And a TV show. And a TV show. And a Nintendo video game. Yes. And DLC for Mortal Kombat 9. (laughs) Freddy Krueger is a playable character. A Simpsons episode did a spin-off. One of the Halloween episodes where Willie became Freddy Krueger. So... Yeah. Frederick Kruger is embodied in the the zeitgeist of American pop culture. If even not even
0: when you leave America, Federico Kruger <laughs> he's, he's popular Fern- as well. Fernando Kruger. <laughs> Fernando Kruger.
1: <laughs> oh Jesus.
0: All right. I'm I'm ready for real talk. Let's... How much will it differ from uh Concierge corner? Well you're about to find out.
1: <laughs> Time will tell. Don't fall asleep. <laughs>
0: Don't fall asleep in there. You could drown, you know. Oh, for Pete's sakes. It happens all the time. I've heated up some warm milk for you, honey. Warm milk? Gross. And we're recording Real Talk for A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984.
1: The OG. In the original script, the movie ended happily. Nancy kills Krueger by ceasing to believe in him, then awakes to discover that everything that happened in the movie was an elongated nightmare. She then says goodbye to her mother and drives to school with her friends. However, Robert Shea, names the producer on this, wanted a twist ending that would leave uh, the way open for sequels. He suggested fooling the audience into thinking Kruger has been defeated, only to reveal the final scene uh, itself is actually a nightmare. And then the film would end with Freddy driving the car away from the house and the kids screaming. Wes Craven hated this ending, and ultimately, four endings were filmed. Craven's happy ending, Shay's Freddy ending, and two versions of compromising endings, uh, both with uh, Craven and Shay's input, uh, in which Nancy's mother is pulled back into the house, but the audience is left slightly ambiguous as to what's going on. Craven- How is that ambiguous? <laughs> <laughs> Craven has always maintained that the film should have had a happy ending, the one he originally wrote, which also explains why he didn't really come back until uh, A New Nightmare.
0: Also explains why he just didn't care yeah. about how bad that final shot looks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely explains just kind of the what whatever. Where the oh, hell I here?
0: did not expect that question I posed in Contrarian's Corner <laughs> to be answered in real talk.
1: <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh yeah, so he directed the first and last in the canonical Freddy. So franchise. that is
0: the A Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay.
1: Yeah, are you familiar with what it's about at all? Because we were talking before we were recording. Holly and I were talking about the ones, the the, sequels.
0: It's it's kind of like a meta thing, right? They're shooting extremely the, the next Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and then Freddy starts killing the people that are making the movie.
1: Is yeah, that what happens? And um, Nancy is married with a child at that point, and then like the spirit of Freddy's coming into the child, and uh, Freddy basically inhibits the real world. It's it's interesting. It's Every copy of it I've ever seen looks like it was shot on VHS and then <laughs> released into movie theaters. Also, looking over the releases, these were not like Friday the 13th, where they were just boom, boom, boom every year. Um, they took their time Well, I, with the it. exception of the second one, because this one did so well. They got the second one out in just shy of a year. But then after that, it would go a year, year and a half, two years, uh, three years. So... Props to that, because I do love Friday the 13th, but it's like, from like fucking 84 on. It's just boom, boom,
0: boom. You can feel them grinding them out.
1: Oh, yeah. Five? (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck your mother. Nightmare on Elm Street, released on November 9th, 1984. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, so don't take it as me talking down to you, but it's very common knowledge uh, amongst horror people like myself. This movie saved New Line from going out of business. It, no i did not uh, okay. know that. <laughs> new line was on the precipice of bankruptcy and this came out and did uh, a whopping number at the box office especially for how low the uh, budget was the budget wasn't even two million dollars and i believe it made about 30 million domestically 25 million at the american box office which of course for that time period was quite uh, the dollop of cash so they began referring to new line cinema uh, Lovingly is the house that Freddie built for some time. Newland cinema, excuse me.
0: Uh, through trivia, what do they refer to? Uh, uh, what do they call Robert England?
1: Uh, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, going through the trivia and all the usual stuff that I look up for these movies, it it really made me sad. Is probably the right word of how much of this shit I already knew, just <laughs> due to my useless knowledge of horror movies. One of my favorite things to read about initially and learn about was the Tina Kill. The rotating room uh-huh. they used for that. Because it it looks awesome. Yes. It looks like, even by today's standards, there's a lot of shit in this movie that does not age well in terms of practical effects. But even by today's standards, that scene of Tina's death is unbelievable, terrifying. And like I was telling Juli when we watched it, it's been a long time since I've seen this first one. Uh, I had forgotten it so early into that. And it's a very classic Wes Craven. Obviously, this became the thing with Scream to make you think you're going away with one character. Uh, Yeah, so Tina, like you said, you think Tina's your main character, and then she's murdered, and at that point in time, probably one of the craziest ways that you've ever seen in a movie. And then we switch over to Nancy. So
0: I wonder if when that happened, the feeling was, oh, that happened, or... You know, and now it's Nancy's movie, or was the feeling? Well, anyone can die now, in like in the Game of Thrones style, where yeah. you know they kill one of the main characters, the character you thought was the main character, and now you kind of fear for everybody. You know, I wonder if watching the movie for the first time, not knowing anything, you feel like, well, they could kill Nancy halfway through the movie too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that was always the thing I told you when I was old, maybe twelve or thirteen. The first time I saw Scream, I might have even been younger than that. But that was my whole thinking because I knew Drew Barrymore. That was like the only actress I knew. I was like, oh, the, she's from The Wedding Singer and all that stuff. Which I know that they go backwards, but that's when I would have seen it. And so when she died, that was the exact same thing. I'm like, well, who's going to live? <laughs> it's Keith <Ulrich. laughs> all, all bets are off here. Yeah, and I didn't find anything too fascinating about Johnny Depp was almost played by so-and-so. Um, I wonder
0: how many people auditioned for the, the Glenn role and then... They spend the rest of their lives going, "That could have been me." <laughs> Every time a new Pirates of the Caribbean movie comes out,
1: <laughs> I was gonna say Anderson Cooper, but I don't. He had a pretty <laughs> successful career, so. But he's always wanted to be in the movie. Just because I could see him in that Glenn role. One thing I did find funny, uh, interesting. However, you want to say it, that I was not aware of previously. I can't find it now, so I won't be able to read it verbatim. But uh, like the Laserdisc release of it had a deleted scene that exposed that the people, the kids found out that they previously had siblings that were murdered by Freddy and it was all covered up.
0: That makes the parents look even dumber.
1: So that's one of the always, I I mean, these movies are what they are, but I've always found that to be a very fascinating. Moral quandary that comes along with this franchise of like it was this horrible person that did horrible shit and got away with it, and then people turned to like vigilante type shit, and now they're paying for that.
0: Yeah, but I don't think that the movie really ever, ex- at least this movie,
1: that's me way right. overthinking it. No,
0: but see, I, I 100% relate because my experience with Diamond Elm Street comes from kind of knowing the mythology before I even watched the movie. One of my uncles, I remember he told us the story of the first three movies. You know, we were kids. So, obviously, we couldn't watch him. But he's like, I'll I'll just tell you about it. And and so, he told us kind of in chronological order. You know, so this happened, this happened, this happened. And then Freddy was born. And so...
1: Just picturing him like... Like, it's a montage of him in different costumes. <laughs> yes. and different He's places.
0: like uh, Andy Dwyer yes. recreating the <laughs> yes. movies in Parks and Rec. Uh, and this is what happens when you don't have TV. <laughs> so uh, he uh, so he did a pretty good job of just getting my imagination. So to me, the story sounded horrifying. Yeah. I, I don't know if you remember. I, I think I'm getting this right. But I think in the third movie, they reveal that Freddie's mother was a nun that was raped or gang raped by, like, a bunch of people. And that's why he was like, you know, was born out of that evil. And that's why he's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, you know, it's like, it's, and I was like, I don't know, a preteen or teenage. Like, It sounded like really heavy and like complicated stuff. And, you know, that the parents end up lynching him and all this stuff. And then I, I, the first time I had the chance of watching the movie, I was only able to watch the first 10 minutes, I think. I, I watched up to like Tina's death. I think, maybe not even that far. And I was so scared. <laughs> and thankfully, my mother like noticed what I was watching and turned off. And and I had nightmare for at least like a week or two weeks. So in my mind, for the longest time, I was like, wow, at least the first 10 minutes of the movie, they lived up to the hype yeah. that my uncle had built up. But that was still, you know, a teenager, if that. And then I was much, much older when I watched it again. And it was just kind of, eh. You know, it was just a slasher movie. Yeah. Like, all the stuff that I had built up in my head about how complex the mythology was, was not really there. And I didn't watch it all the way through. And then, like I told you, well, before we watched the movie, I finally watched it, beginning to end, as an adult, last year. And to say I was underwhelmed <laughs> is generous. I mean, it, was, it didn't work for me at all. It just feels so dated, so... Just, I couldn't engage on it at all. I didn't find it interesting. I actually had a lot more fun watching it now because I think that now that I got all that stuff out of the way, we could at least just kind of like make fun of it as we were watching it. And I can acknowledge the things that work really well. You know, like, yeah, the, the the effects, like, the Tina kill is really mm-hmm. cool. The visual of Freddy Krueger is pretty creepy. Oh yeah. I, I think that, like you said, some of the effects look dated by now. But the overall idea of this guy with the knives in his hand and, you know, he's a burnt victim and the hat, it all, like, looks really, really creepy.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, the... The poor aging is just because we've been very fortunate to have really amazing effects now. Right. It always is like that uh, Nick Swartzen bit about like, if you had shown Transformers to an audience in the 50s, they would have rioted in the streets. (laughs) Similar to that. Heart attacks. Yeah, it's like this. It's like, yeah, I've seen some crazier shit since then, but this is probably... Pretty fucking weird watching seeing this for the first time. It is creepy. In eighty four, excuse me.
0: I just don't think. Other than Johnny Depp and 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 Nancy's dad, I think the acting is pretty bad. Dude,
1: okay, so that's um, I, so my relationship with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is like I'm a huge Friday the Thirteenth person. That's probably uh franchise my favorite. Uh, Obviously, the first Halloween, uh, as I've mentioned several times, one of my favorite movies ever. So. I like the Child's Play franchise to a certain extent. Uh, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is incredible. It's sequels and diminishing returns. But all that to say, the Nightmare franchise is kind of like... Uh, I mean, it's like a friend that's got some cool stories, but most of the time it's just kind of irksome. And you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Uh,
0: you invite him over, and then you remember why you don't invite him over Exactly.
1: <laughs> and a part of it, too, is uh, it's one of those things like um, everyone thinks he's so awesome. Where they're so awesome, and you're like, I just don't get it. <laughs> and then they talk about like all these amazing things they do. And it's he's just little Sebastian. A, yeah, the little Sebastian <laughs> from my Ben. Um, so and uh, Reed, who's been a guest on this podcast, it, it loves the franchise. And to me, it's just kind of eh. I like the first one, and I like a new nightmare. I think there's fun to be had in them. Uh, one thing I would do with all those other ones that I mentioned that I would not do with a nightmare is I'll watch those just by myself. I would not sit down and watch these by myself. I'd need to have like you or somebody here with that. And part of that is mixing together the two things we've talked about so far. It's this movie that kind of tries to tiptoe these issues of you know moral turpitude and all this shit, but the acting is like so reprehensibly bad, and not even in a fun friday the 13th way where it seems like that's almost celebrated about it right it may, it's like it's still the movie still tries to come across to with a certain degree of seriousness
0: right i mean you're talking about a guy that murdered children yeah you know and it's just the way that 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 monologue is delivered it's just so and then bad. shit
1: that really freaks you out of like man what the fuck like someone kill you in your dreams there's nothing you could do and then it, the next scene it's like, mother. You're drinking again, mother. And it's like, oh. <laughs> Heather Camp. I mean, God bless her. She's still paying bills to this day for this movie, and her kids will go to college for it. Same thing with Wes Craven, Robert England. But uh, like you said, Johnny Depp was fine in this, but that's because he's fucking Johnny Depp. And- right.
0: You can't... It's not very often that you get lucky enough that, you know, you have a low budget movie and the entire cast turns out to be Johnny Depp yeah, <laughs> down yeah, yeah. the line.
1: It's like we talked about with uh not every movie is Empire Records. Or thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the analogy I made in the or the comparison in the first half and hashtag CC about Jamie Lee Curtis. And that worked out so well for that movie because that movie had a cast of like five people. Right. So, yeah, whereas this is like a you know, a group of kids and yeah, the sheriff's all right. But her mom's really bad and Nancy. I mean Rod she, is pretty. Rod's abysmal. bad. I mean, uh, they're all pretty young, so cut them with certain slack, but Right.
0: It's just that they the movie puts too much on them.
1: And and the biggest point of this all is I take a big swig of sugar free sprite. This points out the inherent flaw with the Rotten Tomato system. The thing we've been saying for five years. <laughs> the fact that some people don't understand what Rotten Tomatoes actually is could potentially look at this and think it's the same 94% as like gravity or like, you know, uh, they could think, oh, this is almost as good of a movie as modern times with Charlie Chaplin. You know sure, what I mean? them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's the point. You and I know what it means, but like right. the people that, uh, the, um, a few episodes ago we talked about that Hellboy movie that came out when mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes was posting like, uh, they don't call it trash rotten right uh, yeah like seven percent and uh the dialogue we've had with eddie and some other people that thing in people's minds are like oh that only means like seven percent of the movie is good right someone could say that means nightmare on elm street's just as good as saving private ryan <laughs>
0: yeah Rotten tomatoes doesn't really do a good job of contextualizing <laughs> this number that they throw at no them. because
1: they can monetize <laughs> that idea yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I had that conversation on Twitter with someone else the other day where uh, and he ha- he was taking the the position that Eddie has where it's like, you know, it's not Run Tomatoes or the critics responsibility to educate the public as to how they're supposed to read this. And I'm like, one, I think that it would benefit all of us if they did. And two, it's not really like they're even trying like they're going out of the way to be as clear. You know what I mean? Is you can if you don't know how Run Tomatoes works, it's not like there's a Lincoln Road tomatoes that's going to explain it to you really easily, yeah. you know. So, and yeah. those are the people
1: uh, they prey on, and they're right. not necessarily them as much as like because you know the marketing and yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think there's you know George <laughs> F. Tomato who's just like we'll, Rubbing his we'll get them, <laughs> <laughs> we'll con them. Yet, perfect example though. While uh, you were talking, I pulled up here. The Dark Knight's ninety four percent,
0: just as good as <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, no, I think that there is, you can, if you know how to look at that number, you can extrapolate some interesting stuff. And you're mm-hmm. like, wow, why is it, you know, you have to ask yourself, why is it a 94%? And that's when the interesting stuff comes on. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, well, how much of that 94% is, is just reviews from back when it first came out? How many of those are reviews from now? Which are like, like you know, like the first quote that I read, uh, where that guy was saying 10 years later, like 10 years ago, it still holds up. Obviously, that was 20 years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh but it's uh Jesus, yeah. That that is uh that is a discussion that has less to do with the quality of the movie and rather it's with the be reception. It's 35 years
1: old. Sorry, I didn't do math when you <laughs> yeah. said that. It's going to be 35 years old in 2 months.
0: Yeah. So so it's I don't want to say that there's no value to having that number, uh-huh. but but that number doesn't mean what most people think it means. No, no, and, no. you know, and we're bypassing actually what would be an interesting conversation yeah. because what you're just saying is like well the movie's either rotten or it's fresh and that's it you know uh, when instead you should be asking why does it work when it works why doesn't it work when it works why does it work for this for these people at this time why doesn't it work anymore you know that kind of stuff Um now I I think that it's it's a creature of its time and I I couldn't tell you and I think I mentioned in Katrina's corner I don't know how much of the the 80s tropes are were already tropes when it came out and how much of it was still kind of like oh well this is just a movie
1: yeah those would have already been pretty much established pinpoints because even to the you know a lot of the horror movies of the late 70s and early 80s i'm not quite sure if trauma would have been full effect yet but i mean case in point halloween blonde girl big breasts has sex gets strangled you know virginal protagonist, you know?
0: Because, yeah, I guess Nancy is the one that doesn't have sex here. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Well, I remember when Frey versus Jason like the first great isn't, movie isn't it the first kill like some naked girl running around like she comes out of the pool or the lake and she's running in slow motion and then she gets killed
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah. uh but you're not sure if that's real or not
0: right but the, yeah. but the thing is that i remember that happened yeah, I'm in... sorry
1: now, now i'm psychoanalyzing <laughs> the 2003 seminal masterpiece <laughs> Freddy versus jason yeah
0: no but my point was that when that happened my friends and i looked at each other and i was like yep it's that kind of movie you know but oh it, yeah but well, in that... that case it's it Almost felt like it was self referential, like it knew that it yeah, was. Yeah, oh, that. that movie
1: celebrated all the ridiculousness of all right, that, which uh, which is immediately what uh Nightmare on Elm Street became because it was like, oh, well, Freddy is this. Th- that's another thing I kind of don't like about it when th- they turned him into like this slapstick Bucked Bunny, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> Henny Youngman with his one liners that you know, because again. He, he was a pedophile and child murderer, so it's like, I'm not really keen with getting behind this dude. Um, So, some of the things do hold up, and I genuinely mean, uh, I didn't point this out in hashtag CC, but I, I called it out when we watched it, the close to closing shot of Freddie coming up under the sheet in the bed behind Nancy before she tells him she doesn't believe him anymore, and like his the blood on his face is starting to seep through the white sheet that's genuinely a really scary image and that one too where they were his he's like coming through the wall above Early on, her when like she's sleeping over Nancy, yeah. Right? yeah 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 there's some really cool shit in this um yeah other things don't age so well it, it's incredible the the stuntman in the big fire costume just argh, would have been better <laughs> off shooting that from 20 yards back
0: yes <laughs> just you know, I think that you have enough fire in that scene that you could have obscured <laughs> the fact that it wasn't the same guy. Yeah, that it wasn't Robert England. Uh, a little better. I, I think that maybe I don't know if it would work, but it it would definitely be better even if you had the same cast. If the story was better, if the script was better. But uh, before I get to that, I I never read the quotes. The two. I know we jumped right in. We we're just so excited. Uh, it's just two quotes and they're fresh, but. You know, they kind of, uh, they backhand the compliment the same way that Nancy's mom backhanded her face. Jesus. Uh, David Nussar from Real Film Reviews says, A low-key horror effort that's ultimately not quite as enthralling as its premise might have indicated.
1: That hits pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: And then David Metzger from Bullseye.com says, You'll forgive old Freddy if he doesn't quite pack as much punch as he once did. Neither will any of us 20 years from now.
1: <laughs> uh, it's it's Twister, man. It's like the first time you see it on the big screen. I can't imagine 1984, like with all the movies previous to then and since then that we've covered, just putting yourself in that time frame. Right. Yeah, watching this is probably fucking terrifying.
0: I mean, it terrified me as a kid. Yeah. You know? And I I really – I can't watch it no, now in, in – forget about all the horror movies that i've seen. i'm not even a big horror guy yeah. but i'm familiar enough with the genre and the tropes and whatever that I, like a I secondary corner, as i'm watching it it just feels like like a parody <laughs> yeah. of itself and i really my big takeaway this time is that they have that big scene with the mom explaining who freddy is how freddy came to be and it's completely irrelevant because it doesn't you take that scene out it doesn't change anything in the story. No. It's not like that story gives Nancy a clue as to how she might defeat Freddy. It's nothing. It's just there to explain something that they never do anything with.
1: And they don't even do the thing of like explaining the exposition of uh, he why he's doing it. He's coming back to take their kids from from the other realm, which I guess you can imply that, if you...
0: right? But it's it's like I said. It's there's a much more interesting story that just didn't get told because they were just. I'm more interested in the, the gore and the kills. Too busy
1: jacking off. Yeah. Yeah, first time happening here on The Contrarian zone recording this one. Uh, I own this movie in two uh, mediums. Uh, I own it on DVD and on VHS. I have the collector's VHS that was released in the early 90s, um, maybe even late 80s. It's two VHSs. It comes with behind the scenes, <laughs> and the, the box folds out. It's, it's Does he
0: have the four different endings?
1: Oh, I don't know about that. And the, the DVD I got at half price books for a dollar was on clearance. Now I know it was a dollar on clearance because I went to try to put it on and the disc doesn't look scratched at all, but just won't start. So
0: But the cover of the of the movie, the, the cover of the disc it looks like it was drawn in crayon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nightmare spelt wrong. <laughs> it says Nightmare on Front Street.
0: Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Avenue.
1: Elm Avenue, there you go. <laughs> So we got it through Amazon, the HD restoration of it, and it looks great. Oh, it looked great. Yeah,
0: it. I, I think it looked even better than whatever I watched. I think it was on Netflix, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point, whenever I watched it, and uh, this this looked really good.
1: So maybe able to talk about it a little bit more tomorrow night. We're uh, recording and we're watching and recording for the remake, the 2010 remake with Jackie Earl Haley. I'll go through my issues with that. It's funny, like I'm gonna. That movie I actively dislike. And I'm here kind of semi-burying Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I can...
0: It'll be funny because, I mean, I've only seen it once. I think you've only seen it once. Yeah. And what I wonder might happen is if we're going to criticize that movie for b- taking it too seriously <laughs> that one went too far yeah. <laughs> i don't know i don't remember uh, but i know that certainly the things that i wish that uh, this night on elm street did i think they tried to do on the remake
1: well and that's one of my biggest complaints about it and it's not something that i think this is it's fine because i tell somebody think about it's kind of hard to get behind him because of who he is uh-huh. but i understand what they want freddie to be this big cartoon character and that was my biggest complaint right off the bat when I saw the trailer for the remake was that he looks like an actual burn victim and not like a big cartoon character. Visually, it's interesting, I guess, but it's like it kind of kills the the image, the mystique. I, mean, I I remember just, I have vivid images in my mind of just holding the box for like um, <laughs> part five in front of me at the video store when I was a little kid and it's him with the little baby stroller and like ooze is coming off his face and... Like, that hashtag my Freddy. (laughs) So,
0: they ruined my childhood. Fuck
1: no. (laughs) I mean, I'll say it here. This is, in my humble opinion, this is, like, the weakest in the slasher franchises. Like, the the top tier. The Nightmare, uh, Friday, Halloween. I'd probably even put Child's Play over these.
0: Uh, I think, concept-wise, to me, it's the most interesting but, but execution-wise, s- might be the worst.
1: But yeah, it, that's a very good way of putting it. Because at the end of the day, slasher movies aren't supposed to have really intense concepts. <laughs> Michael Myers just crazy dude.
0: No man, he was as a kid, as we learned, the Rob Zombie movie.
1: Well, if you watched Halloween Six with uh, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd, he's this devotee of a cult. That, that's right. Um. Yeah. Friday the 13th crazy zombie boy that eventually becomes this amphibious immortal character (laughs) child's play possessed little doll I I think that you probably summed it up better than I ever could (laughs) right there the most interesting concept but most poorly executed that all being said 90 minute runtime chef's kiss you can't you can't fault it you can't get mad at it for that uh, just from the cartoony standpoint, I do like how funny it is at the end when the the hatch co- closes on the car and it's the green and red like colors. I didn't even notice. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, it's because
0: to... I, I was ready for the, the the horrible effect at the end. Oh, that, so. yeah.
1: That that was just the craven. Let's just fucking get this over with. <laughs> Cut lunch. That's a wrap.
0: He wants. No, I think he was thinking there is no way that this one will end up being the actual ending. Yeah, you know, we'll shoot it really shitty, so they have to go with the with the happy ending.
1: Yeah, I mean, we may have a bit more discussion about this tomorrow, and then after we cover Texas Chainsaw Massacre about because it really is that it seems that Friday or Nightmare on Elm Street, excuse me, is always pushed to the forefront of this genre. I I assume that's probably because Freddy talks. More than most of them do.
0: He definitely has more of a personality than uh, Jason or Mike Myers.
1: Well, Mike Myers is Austin Powers, so
0: <laughs> the shape. <laughs> the thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. We can get into that more because yeah, Leatherface doesn't fucking talk either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was Nightmare on Elm Street. That was a a fun way to kick this off. I'm actually really excited about these uh, six episodes that we're gonna do.
0: I have a. I have a. Before we go into plugs, I have a. A little bit of uh, feedback Uh-oh. from a previous episode. Uh, our friend, well, I guess we kind of go into plugs. Uh, uh, the Festive Years, you know, they do our our opening song, our closing song. Yes, sir. Got a shout out on Facebook from our friend yeah. Joe Ketchum, who said that it was his favorite outro song from a podcast. Uh, Summer 99. The opening is uh, Last Stand. Last Stand. You can find the Festive Years.
1: festiveyears.com.
0: Yes. And then our logo. From our friend Hans Rothgeiser, he does logos, he has comics, he has a podcast in Spanish called Nacion Combi, that's about Peruvian stuff. He has a podcast in English uh, called Living in Peru, that's about uh, immigrants to Peru, that's in English, that's on iVox. Uh, Nacion Combi is on every podcatcher ever. Uh, (laughs) You can uh, tweet at him, at Mildemonios, m i l d m o n i o s. You can also email him, Mildemonios at Hotmail.com, if you want logos, if you want comics if you're on Conversations, if you want him to tell you the story of his trapper keeper. We mentioned trapper keepers Hell yes. in our Almost Famous episode. And we theorized that I might have been the only Peruvian with a trapper keeper <laughs> back home in Lima. And then Hans messaged me and told me that, no, actually, everybody <laughs> at his school had a trapper <laughs> keeper. So I was just, I was just on the wrong side of the road. There you go. Uh, and he said that at some point, that he he said that his trapper keeper he would carry it everywhere, and he was a, a pretty rowdy kid. He was, you know, he's always throwing around his backpack and kicking it, and of course his trapper keeper was falling apart. Much like uh, in my case, it's not something he bought in Peru. Somebody brought it to him from, you know, mm-hmm. a trip abroad, and then he said that at some point he got to the same realization that I had. While we we're doing the podcast, which is like, this is impractical. <laughs> Why do you have uh, this big bulky thing to keep your notes when you should have just like notebooks? <laughs> so I I really appreciate that he reached out and made me feel less alone. Uh,
1: Help set the record straight on the Peruvian he, trapper keeper. Yeah,
0: he either made me feel less alone or less special for having <laughs> the trapper keeper in Peru, and now we can do plugs.
1: Okay, do you have anything?
0: Uh, I do. Uh, you you were not sure if you had anything. Did you come up with anything?
1: Not for this one. I have a plug, but you want to save it. for... I'm tired, and week? I want to make sure I can give it my full. Ah, yeah.
0: Uh, this is a short one. I watched the documentary Gates of Heaven, right? On. Uh, probably a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, even. Uh, it's uh, from Errol Morris, who's a famous, well known documentarian. Uh, I've seen a couple of his other documentaries, Gates of Heaven. I knew it was it was one of his best, and. Uh, heard people talking about it it's basically about uh on the surface it's about a pet cemetery and people that take care of it okay uh, but really it is just fascinating because it's just a series of interviews that's the errol morris style he just interviews people yeah. and just cuts them together and uh the way that he allows these people to digress you would think it would drive me crazy you know that i hate like the riffing and like the, i'm like stay on point yeah. move on you know keep the plot going or whatever but there is just something very, I don't know, captivating about just hearing these people start talking about their pets, but then suddenly just go on into tangents about their life and their plans, their regrets, and all this stuff. And at some point, you just—it's been ten minutes, fifteen minutes, and nobody's been talking about pets or the graveyard. But there's still that connection. You know, I, I I wrote it on Letterboxd. It's like I can't really explain why it works, but I think that maybe having it be originally about a pet cemetery and the connection that a person has with their pets unlocks this empathy. You know, once I know that I'm seeing somebody on the screen who suffered that very specific kind of loss, Mm -hmm. I'm just more willing to listen to them talk about whatever. And, and so, and it's not just the people that bury their pets in this graveyard. Also the, the family that runs it talk about stuff, you know, it, it, it's, and it's not even short, uh, too long. It's like maybe 70 minutes, maybe 90 minutes, uh, 85 minutes. So it's an easy watch in, it's just it ended and I just didn't know what to make of it other than I loved it. <laughs> uh I found out it has a criterion, uh so I will be getting that at the next sale. Nice. But yeah, that's that's my recommendation, my plug. If you can find Gates of Heaven, watch it and enjoy it.
1: And a quick plug. The few months ago on here I plugged uh six one six Entertainment's YouTube channel, did a comprehensive documentary on the Mortal Kombat franchise. Yes. Their follow-up uh was a documentary on uh the now defunct world world championship wrestling, which was the WWF's competitor in the nineties, the eighties and nineties.
0: I thought you were going to talk about a video game.
1: No, no, no. It was their, <laughs> their history of video games. Oh, okay. So okay. yeah, it was from the NES days to the PlayStation cause they went under before the PS2 came out. So it's a comprehensive history of their video games. Uh, if you like WCW, obviously, yeah, watch it. But <laughs> even just as a video game connoisseur, uh, anything like that you're interested in these documentaries are really well made and this guy clearly does his research and so if you haven't watched the mortal kombat one start with that because that one actually has like an emotional ending to it somehow surprisingly but the wcw one's really fun it's really funny and just points out the absurdity of wrestling video games and how easy you would think it would be to make one and how people just consistently screw it up it's- i wonder
0: how many of the ones that he brings up i've played because early on, like for the NES and mm-hmm. the uh, Super NES, I mean, I was playing everything that was available. So oh, yeah, I played my share of wrestling games.
1: The big ones are always um, WCW, NWO, Revenge, and No Mercy. Those were like the big ones for the N64. Those were big like, party games with like the multi-man battle royals and stuff like that. So
0: yeah, uh, speaking of games, I think that we can just put this at the end of the like as the end tag for the episode because mm-hmm. I meant to bring it up and I forgot uh, the NES Nightmare Elm Street. Video game? Did you play it? No. Oh, dude! I, I
1: was even back then. I was a Friday the Thirteenth kid.
0: <laughs> I also played that one, but uh, it was a it was a multiplayer, like up, up to four players. It was one of those rare NES games where you could play with four people. Never did because I didn't have the peripheral for four controllers but oh wow.
1: uh, I didn't know they even made that there yeah was like a por- oh. it was
0: it's maybe five games that you can play oh, okay. with that but Nightmare on Elm Street is kind of like a big title and you could uh, I saw the pictures there's like four little characters you know
1: I know and, the ad the original ad in game Pro or whatever would have been around at the time implied that you were going to be Freddy and no. You, no 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 that, I'm saying like the original ad for it said you're going to be Freddy and but in the game and I, then I, Robert I've,
0: Robert Shea was like no how about <laughs>
1: No, I've seen gameplay footage of it. It looks like an interesting premise. Like you have to get coffee and shit and stay awake.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of RPG, not a whole lot, but in the sense that um is like this neighborhood and you can go into different houses and uh I think you're collecting Freddy's bones. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's based heavily on the I guess the first three movies. Because by the third one, I don't know if you remember, but in the third one, they kind of like, there's a part where like one of the guys becomes like a wizard. Like, you know, they, they're kind of like playing with what they can be in the dream world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they dream have Warriors. superpowers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, duh, that's the name. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and and time passes. So when you fall asleep, when it gets the night, the dream world, you know, the, the enemies become creepier and stronger, but you also get superpowers. And so you, instead of being just like some dude running, you're like a wizard or you're a ninja or whatever. And, uh, Never finished it. It was really, really hard. But it was... I remember playing it and, you know, that was at the time when I thought that Nightmare on Elf Street was, like, the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So it was pretty cool because eventually, you know, you had the bosses that were Freddy-inspired. Mm-hmm. But much like in the Friday the 13th NES game where you get Jason attacking you at random places sometimes, uh, every now and then Freddy would show up at random and you had to fight, like, the actual Freddy. And it was cool and then he would go away. Nice. Uh, I'm sure at some point you kill him. And then you wake up and it was all a dream. <laughs> yeah, the
1: Friday the Thirteenth ending. You have killed Jason, or have you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like every NES game, I'm sure it was insurmountably harder than video games of today.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of get the feeling if I ever got the, uh, the oh my god, what do you call it uh, now when you can the emulator? If I got oh, okay. the, uh, an emulator copy of it. You know where I can just save after every level. I could probably beat it now, yeah. but back then it was like maybe two continues, and, and then that was it. And you were yeah. done. And it was, that was really hard. The
1: Mario games, the flute for part three, and then the and the first one getting the shortcuts to the secret worlds. Because man, those were like investments, and you couldn't turn the console off or you nope. lose everything.
0: No, uh, yeah, I, I never owned it. I rented it. At Nightmare on Elm Street. Remember okay. that? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I had I had a weekend to get through it and then it went back to the store uh but yeah it, it was it was fun it was part of the culture i mean i think this much like friday the 13th i think it's just you don't see a child's play video game no halloween video game
1: there was for the atari there was a texas chainsaw massacre and halloween video games for the atari the halloween <laughs>
0: fearless one. the atari people just had no boundaries
1: Well, and like the Texas Chainsaw one was really controversial. If you watch like the gameplay on YouTube, you you can't even tell what's going on. But then it was like they're killing people with a chainsaw. It's just like (laughs) these stick figures that you just mow down. The Halloween one's the best though, because like it's just you in a big house walking away from Michael Myers, and every time he comes onto screen, like a horrible Atari version (laughs) starts playing. It's great. Horror video games. Friday the Thirteenth one that came out last year, two years ago, was great until they stopped working on it.
0: I know, I know. You plugged it. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll
1: bitch about it any chance I get. All right, so we have kicked off the remake arc here on the Contrarians that'll take us through uh, for the next two months. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: probably a little more. Today, I don't know. We have some. It's a packed schedule. We got,
1: we got a lot going on.
0: Yeah, because also our 50-year anniversary is, is hitting pretty yeah. soon.
1: got a lot of burners in the fire for y'all. Yeah. So. Wait, that's not the expression. Is it knives in the fire? Logs? I don't know. Coal?
0: <laughs> a lot of coal in the fire, partner.
1: <laughs> we got a lot of goodies coming y'all's way. There you go. We got a lot coming up, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, but in the meantime, I want to thank you again for listening in to us here on The Contrarians where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time.
0: That summer of 1999 Back when you threw my mind And told me secrets in the dark
1: And uh, We're playing Nightmare on Elm Street uh, Did childhood classic, yeah. you know, it's probably the only video game my dad ever bought for me and uh, I never beat it. We'll see how this, this goes. I've never even heard of this game. I didn't know this was a game Dude, I'm excited. It's pretty and, good and four players on regular Nintendo four player regular Nintendo You get if you got the right people the right crew. Yeah, you're unstoppable